This is a production of the GSD Podcast Network. And from the heart of North America, it's time to answer the burning question, what the hell does Mike Bisson do? This community economic development podcast is part of the GSD Podcast Network. And now, you know him, you love him, you like to live without him, Mike Thyssen. Time for another podcast of What the Hell Does Mike Thyssen Do? The Economic Development Podcast, the solutions-oriented podcast that stays in positive space through experiences, breaking boundaries with a wider perspective and fresh ideas. What we are really talking about is how might a community be best prepared when there is a knock on their door for growth. In this episode, we'll talk about labor and our workforce, because, because, because part of economic development, under that big umbrella of the term economic development, you have certainly some of the functions of economic development, like business retention and expansion and uh, real estates doing, doing the deals, but you also have to talk about the life of a community. And a big life of the community is its labor. Um, why do people work live there? Well, maybe they also work there. Or maybe you have a, a business that is there that has labor that comes to them and works in, their, in, their, uh, uh, works in that business landscape. So uh, when we really look at workforce, it is truly um, a, uh, something to be looked at in economic development. Uh, most recently, economic developers and uh, actually Chambers of Commerce have, have, wake, have kind of had this awakening of um, labor force and what that means for them because they've finally begun to realize that there are a lot of job openings out there, but there's not enough qualified workforce to fill those jobs. Um, and it's endemic not just in the Midwest, but also beyond. Um, and a lot of people are working hard, but what I'm finding is that communities with more collaboration uh, amongst workforce development and economic development and leaders and also uh, education institutions, if you have more collaboration with that, somehow, some way, the communities are, are, uh, who are doing that are figuring out uh, some best practices. Um, so take, if you will, um, some, of the, some of the cycles. If uh, a community has a lot of job openings and there's uh, a lot of people there that don't have jobs, um, but they're unqualified, you have an unqualified pool of labor, um, it's hard for that pool of labor to get to those open jobs, and both the uh, business and the community struggle in trying to, trying to match that. Um, the, the training that, uh, that used to be in a lot of industries is now gone. Um, the, to, be, to really make, uh, uh, to be blunt about it, uh, wages are, are a big deal. Um, in some areas of the country, wages are much lower than the national average. And so a lot of people don't necessarily want to capture those jobs at $9 an hour. They would rather have, have the same job and work elsewhere at much higher. Um, and then there's also those who do work uh, have a, a little bit of a, a leverage against a lot of these uh, businesses where the businesses tend to cannibalize each other's workforce, where a worker can work at one industry one day and then quit and then work on another day, and that really brings a lot more unbalance. Um, but even with that big picture, even if you fill the jobs with uh, a qualified workforce, you still have gaps. Um, you're still going to have a talent attraction problem. 
there's not one factor that's to blame, but then there's no secret that, you know, as I said before, that collaborative areas of the country are doing better than others. But what we need to do is to really address those challenges. Why is this happening? Why are people not wanting to work or wanting to uh, be uh, certified or qualified? Could it be that they're not being led to training? Or maybe there's training that's being uh, held out there, but there's not much of a marketing budget to educate people that this is free training. Are there free trainings? And if so, do people really want to work this? Um, also, um, in terms of the businesses, could the businesses start to look at how might they want to train internally and build their own uh, workforce up? Uh, the lots changed over, over time, and so we want to look at uh, why these challenges are, but more importantly, we want to get to some solutions, some, that are, uh, some best practices that are out there. Um, maybe we can find some suggestions for companies or, or uh, what we're really talking about is maybe tapping our future workforce. What is it really what our future workforce is looking like? When I talk about the future workforce, I'm talking about the whole workforce. It's not just through K through 12 or even our college kids. Um, it's also these. Uh, it's also the adult uh, workers who are out of work or underemployed. Uh, people who've been displaced, um, legacy workers, people who are going to retire. Um, I'm sure that the number is staggering. Just how many uh, people who are approaching retirement age? that will retire and leave even more of a gap in uh, a qualified workforce. Um, the age of, uh, uh, of a sector like advanced manufacturing is way different than what we all once knew as advanced manufacturing. What we're really looking for is folks to become certified, uh, get um, some credentials, and not necessarily work on the front lines, but actually be able to fix and maintain and operate the robots and the machines that are on the front lines. So we're really looking at new technologies and uh, really about getting smarter with how we view our workforce. So what we wanted to do today with uh, this particular subject is we wanted to uh, find someone who has boots on the ground in trying to address some of these gaps and uh, uh, who uh, in, in trying to put some of these best practices into play. So with me today is a gentleman by the name of Jim Heck. Uh, he uh, runs a regional initiative of, uh, of a workforce development um, consortium uh, in southwest Indiana, and I'll let him uh, explain what, what his title is and what he does. But I want to welcome him to the podcast, and uh, we can have a little bit of a conversation on the talent gap and all that. So, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Um, uh, if you could just real quick <laughs> tell everybody what, what your title is and, and, and your organization and and where you're at in terms of the country and, and what you're, and basically what kind of the main industries in your workforce is here in the Midwest. Sure, Mike. Th uh, thanks, thanks for having me on this. I really appreciate it. I'm the executive director for the Workforce Development Board in Southwest Indiana. It's a, a nine-county region in the toe of, of Southwest Indiana, and the Workforce Development Board is something that's laid out by law, made up uh, specifically by law by a majority of business people and they s try to operate the workforce development system inside that nine counties and in these nine counties we operate the work one centers which most of the country would know as America's job centers so that board oversees what goes on in those uh, and so they'll do training we do unemployment insurance 
we do uh, education, we do whatever we can to try to build our workforce. But the workforce board itself looks at trends, looks at uh, the way the workforce is going, and tries to help businesses meet their needs going forward. And they try to do that by getting the, those uh, workers or those potential workers into the right pathways to go to work in the industries in our region. In our region, we're probably, we're about 30% manufacturing. So it's a huge piece of our economy is manufacturing. The other big one, of course, is healthcare. Healthcare in our region is tremendous. It, it, it is a little larger than manufacturing, but it's, uh, you know, it's still one of the things, and it's one of the things we're trying to fill jobs. Oh, I didn't in. know healthcare was larger than manufacturing. It, it is in sheer numbers, and, and it's, uh, it's bigger. Oh. There are work, so there are boards like this throughout the country. Yes, so it's it's a federal law. It's a federal law, okay. and uh, every place in the country has a workforce development board. Wow, all right. right. And so um, I'm sure what you've described, you know, with manufacturing and, and healthcare, um, I'm sure this particular area is not the only one that has that kind of demographic. No, most of Indiana is a manufacturing economy, and healthcare, of course, is always big everywhere around the country. So those are generally, in Indiana, some of the places have tourism or is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, we have some tourism in my region, but the, uh, by far the two biggest are manufacturing and healthcare. Okay. All right. Um, and so, you know, I, I hear that uh, you also do the, the processing for unemployment and mm-hmm. uh, you, you do some career pathway pieces for those who really need to find that next stepping stone. Um, what, what have you been doing in terms of um, uh, if there's any kind of special or particular programs that, that uh, you and your board have been able to look at? Um, you did mention your board kind of looks at those trends. Mm-hmm. And so um, is, if there's anything in particular that you've been able to do to help uh, address, those, address those trends in your workforce? Yeah. Um, you know, Mike, what we've seen over the past few years is that uh, there was a tendency to, for kids, parents, to not go into manufacturing. There's been a real um, uh, distrust of manufacturing. Parents would tell their kids, you, you know, I don't want you going into the same kind of jobs I went into and that they should go and get a four-year degree because they don't want them doing that back-breaking work that's in a factory. And in reality, those jobs are mostly automated now, uh, and the jobs there are very high-tech. So we've, our board has decided that the best thing we can do is try to educate teachers, parents, and students and try to urge them into pathways that lead to high-wage, high-demand high jobs. Okay. So as we look at in it, manufacturing has quite a number of those jobs in our region, as well as health care. Health care seems to be uh, doing a little better job of people know more about health care and there's never been any real push to not go into health care like there has been in manufacturing. So they've really kind of managed on their own. They, they run cycles where nursing are, nurses are short uh, and then they get too many nurses. So they just kind of run in cycles. But it's really, they're really based on how many people they can get through the education system. And a lot of them are two and four year degrees. So they're going, they're, I won't say they don't have any shortage, but they have clear, laid-out pathways that kids go into and are well, very well known. And manufacturing is a little bit different. Uh, as we talk to manufacturers, kids really don't understand how 
high-tech those jobs are, and they're not their parents' jobs anymore. Right. Uh, so we've done a number of things. One of them is we decided that we would run an internship for teachers, uh, actually middle school teachers and high school counselors, to go into manufacturing companies in our region for two weeks out of the summer where they actually work on the line, find out exactly what goes on in these companies, and then they have to build a lesson plan to take back into their classroom on how they're going to oh, incorporate okay. what they learned at that uh, internship. Just by learning by application. Absolutely. Oh, okay. So, And then they have to present that to the uh, businesses that take part in it and say, here's what we're going to take back into the classroom. So they take that back, incorporate that into their classroom. But the other thing that's worked out from this is those teachers then have a better connection with the manufacturers in our region, and they are beginning to call them to say, hey, come and talk to my class of eighth graders. Come and talk to them about the jobs you've got, the pathways that you have there. So we began doing that probably three, four years ago. And so every year we run at least 30 teachers and counselors through that program. We've expanded it into another county here, so we do another 15 through it. So we're Mm -hmm. running about 45 teachers a summer through that. One of the best things we do, the teachers that go through it love it. The businesses can't wait to participate in it. Uh, The nice thing about it, the businesses step up and actually pay a stipend to the teachers to come and attend it. So the businesses are investing. The businesses are investing oh, their great. money into this. Okay. Yeah. Like like for uh, training, it's almost like training and making mm-hmm. sure that that happens. Um, what I'm hearing is that you really are starting to look at um, uh, uh, the next generation mm-hmm. of workforce, trying to solve a, 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 a problem in the long term with long-term goals. Yes. Uh, in that, in the short term, you know, with, with the teachers – um, what I'm also hearing is you're building relationships between the schools and the manufacturers so that there's some good engagement there. Yes. Um, so it's really a win all, winner takes all kind of, everybody wins. We think so. You know, the thing that we've, <coughs> other thing that we've noticed in this region is our population is not growing as we had hoped it would. We've got one or two counties that are growing slightly, but a lot of kids are moving out. And so we need to really try to retain them. And this is going to help us in the long run because kids did not, were not aware of what good jobs there were in manufacturing, that even though they want to be an accountant, they can still go to work in manufacturing. If they want to be in IT, they can still go to work in uh, manufacturing. Sure. Those kinds of jobs are still there, and we wanted to educate those kids. At it. It's fine to go away to college, but always come back. So they're getting more opportunities to come back and be interns in those same companies because now the connections are there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. And I'm going to stay in sort of the K-12 through world mm-hmm. or the, the kids. Um, uh, one of the, one program that I've kind of looked at and I've been a fan of is the Jobs for America's Graduates mm-hmm. program. Um, can you explain a little bit more about that program and, and sort of the benefit and what kind of unique things that you, or what kind of things have been do, have, that can happen with that? Yeah, uh, the Jobs for America's Graduates program is a national program. Uh, most states don't run it the same way Indiana does. In Indiana, we use our uh, Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act funds to pay the instructors that we get, and then the state of Indiana has set aside state funds to help us pay for them as well. So the idea is you take uh, kids that are most likely or that are at risk of dropping out of high school, and you have an 
a class just for them each day that keep tries to keep them engaged in school because we know once they get engaged in school, they're more likely to stay in school. And the focus of that class is workforce and uh, what do you do after you graduate high school. So that you stay in school and graduate, that's step number one. But then what is your plan what are your plans after that? So we bring companies, not just manufacturing, but healthcare, IT companies, into the classroom to talk to these students about what opportunities there are and how they can take advantage of them. And then those students uh, they complete high school and either go and we're graded by how many graduate? What percentage of those students graduate? Oh, so there's some metrics tied to this. There are okay. some, yeah. Uh, right. And currently, those kids that have an expected graduation rate of about 50%, we're graduating at a 97% rate. So, wow. and that's over that's, that's over eight years. So we've done a pretty decent job. Uh, it's a great mm-hmm. program. The kids love it. The 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 businesses love it. We're now getting calls from businesses. How do I get into mm-hmm. those schools? To be able to talk to those students, sure, and more importantly, you're actually address, you're you're actually assigning value to these kids who might not have been assigned value before. A- absolutely, and these kids are, are learning things like how do you write a resume, mm-hmm. how do you interview, the things that we used to teach in school a number of years ago. But and I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with the schools. The schools are doing what they right. need to do to meet their standards. We're able to do that in our class because that's part of our goals. Mm-hmm. So it really helps both the student and the businesses around here. And in some ways, you're kind of educating the family unit with, with that particular program. And then educating, I'm seeing a whole, I'm, I'm seeing some of this um, uh, advertent educating of uh, the teachers, the counselors, mm-hmm. bringing them together with manufacturers, maybe even bringing in the families for, for manufacturers. Um, I also noticed another program called the Tour of Opportunity. I didn't... Yeah. Uh, that's that's also kind of impactful with families and trying to educate them for the fact that you have great job openings here. It, it <laughs> is. It's a, it's a program we started a few years back to emphasize what's new in manufacturing, or what, and not just manufacturing, but uh, we do it with healthcare. The, we ask companies to open their business up for students and their families if they want to come to come and tour their facility but it's more than just a tour of the facility it is we want them to talk to those kids about pathways here are jobs in our business but what here's the pathway that you need to be on to get to those jobs because we're seeing more and more Mike that kids in the middle school are having to make decisions on what pathway they want to get into so they can graduate and if they want to take some of those career and tech ed classes, mm-hmm. they have to make sure they pass all their basic math, their basic English, or they can't take those uh, elective subjects in career and tech ed. So that's one of the things we want those businesses talking to them about. And we try to focus on middle school kids. You need to pass these classes. You know, you don't think they're important now, but they really yeah. are. And get those through so that you can take these welding classes and construction classes and uh, the Project Lead the Way classes that are so okay. important. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I know Project Lead the Way is a big, um, a big one. Um, I'm going to broaden the scope a little bit. Um, there's also some uh, uh, innovative things you're doing with uh, older folks mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, uh, either doing some retraining. Um, 
like a lot of areas of the country, you always have some downsizing. You have a lot right. of people laid off, and I know there's rapid response teams and things like that. Um, are there some support systems uh, from uh, other resources that help you with uh, training, re- retraining adults, and and how do you work that out with the communities in terms of you know your your engagement with them? Well. Anytime we have a downsizing, we always try to make early intervention and we try to get in and and meet with those workers before they lose their job. Uh, Most of the workers that are going to lose their job have some skills that they can build on. They may not have a degree or they may not have that certificate that shows they have that. And that's sometimes we have to intervene. And we have some funds through our Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act. And the state has provided some funds through their Next Level Jobs Initiative where we can help those employees to pay for or to get them into a class to get those skills. Uh, The one thing we really focus on is adults without a high school diploma. Uh, We really feel like that's just the building block. If you don't have your high school diploma, that's the first thing we want to do is get you into that high school class, that adult basic ed class where you can earn your high school equivalency, and then do more than that. We've got short-term certificates that we like to tell people they can complete that high school equivalency, and then we can pay for you to get a welding certificate, a CDL, a CNA degree, things that will get you into the workforce, and then let those companies that we've worked with pay for you to complete that education because a number of companies are glad to pay for you to complete an education once you start oh, working. Oh, see, that's them. terrific. And yeah. I, I guess one of the challenges might be is maybe a lot of people don't know this. That's exactly right. Um, so I assume there's the, – the, so what kind of challenges are – or what, what are the challenges for you as a person who runs an organization in terms of getting the word out or – what other challenges do you see? <laughs> well, we have no money for advertising yeah. because we're federally funded. That We're not allowed to really advertise much. Okay. We use a little money for advertising, and you'll see we'll run some public service announcements. But that's our biggest – we always say that we're probably the best-kept secret around in workforce development because uh, people used to think of us as only handling unemployment mm-hmm. claims. But that's one of the few things that, I mean, that's one of the things we do. We do many other things that are more positive. Unemployment should just keep you, uh, it just is enough to keep you going while you're getting your skills to go back to work at another job. So, uh, yeah, we try to get the word out. We really are working with uh, community organizations throughout our region to get our word out, and we're we're making a lot of headway with that now. Good. Uh, we partner with literacy centers. We partner with chambers of commerce are great. The more we partner with them, the more they like to get the word out about us. Uh, economic developers around my region, we work with them all mm-hmm. the time. Because mm-hmm. I've I've noticed, and this is a trend in economic development, even the chambers. Um, you know, I, I said before they they really haven't had workforce on their agenda. Mm-hmm. For years, and it just seems like that you know you said the best kept secret. You've kind of been working along all this for all this time, and now that there's this sort of awakening in in the chambers and economic development, uh, you know, I'm, my hope is that there'd be some more collaboration mm-hmm. in in areas of the country where you know there's a lot there's these resources. So maybe you know chambers have a good advertising budget sometimes. Economic developers have a good advertising budget. Could there be a way to, mm-hmm. you know, find a positive solution? When I look at states like Kentucky, um, they have the same exact problem. They do. As far as, uh, you know, their, their labor shed, their workforce, 
Um, what you're describing in Indiana isn't necessarily any different than no. you know most of the breadbasket um, mm-hmm. uh, states in the in the in the country. I mean, even Oregon's got challenges. Oh with, yeah, with that. I mean, with the unemployment rate, we're in my region. We're down at three or below. Yeah, three percent. That's, that's a that's, problem. <laughs> it. I mean, it, it's a good problem. It's a happy problem. Yeah. But, yeah. But the one thing we learned back during the downturn, we saw a lot of people getting laid off. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. But the thing we saw were the people that had skills, mm-hmm. that had those certifications, were the last ones to get laid off and the first ones to get jobs again. Yeah. So we've tried to explain that to people as we go forward. That's been kind of our mantra ever since that downturn. Get yourself something that is a skill that you can take from one employer to another. It's portable. It keeps you employed. Uh, and so that's the that's really what we're trying to focus on now is when if people, we preach this everywhere we go. Get us get it certified. Get a certification. Yeah. Get something that you can take with you everywhere. Right, right, and um, yeah, because nobody's holding down a thirty year job anymore. That's right. So you also mentioned the unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so. There's really a talent attraction problem here. Even if you fill in the jobs that are open now, you probably still have job openings, and you still probably will have demand. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything out there in terms of you know if you have to look in your crystal ball or any suggestions as far as you know what might happen in terms of how you want to do? Would you want to attract talent, and how how would you want to attract talent here? Uh, luckily, we don't have to worry too much about that. We work with the talent that's on hand. Okay. We have done some things uh, that have tried to, like if there's a uh, notice of a layoff anywhere close to here, we send our information to our counterparts in those areas and say, hey, here's the jobs that are available here. Here's the jobs that can come here. And I know some of our economic developers are working on attraction in this area. Uh, but what we found is it usually takes a pretty high-wage job to get people to relocate because they like where they live. That's you know that's where they grew up for the most part. Right. So if you're going to bring people in, you it's going to take some big high-wage jobs, and you usually don't get a great big influx of those. When Toyota moved in here, we got a lot of people that moved into the area because there were a lot of jobs, high-wage jobs there. Uh, now we see the people moving in are the ones that are engineers, uh, management type positions, so I don't, I don't know uh, what's the best way to, to attract talent, uh, but usually it's wages that does it. Okay, but also the best practices that you've been doing yeah. is kind of a nice attractor that a lot of people should be educated on. Um, and speaking of education, I assume that there's um, something that kind of gets communicated up the pipeline in terms of of policy. I mean, the, the, the best practices that you're doing, is that translating well with those who can influence policy and maybe make some, some positive yeah. you know, changes? Or One of the things, the other thing we've tried to do is we meet with our legislators on a regular oh, basis. Okay. So, um, you know, Wendy McNamara and, and Ron Bacon and uh, all the legislators. These are state here. legislatures? In state this? Okay. legislators. And we meet with our county commissioners because they also talk with yeah. those state legislators. And we try to keep them informed. We invite them to, like, the report out for those teachers. They come to that. We, we, tell, we give them information about the, the things that we're doing so that they know what's going on. And it has influenced some of the policy. But the one thing I've noticed is that things don't move quickly in that world. You know, they, it takes a while, and you've got to be persistent. Uh, so if you're looking for quick 
changes like that, you're going to be a little disappointed. Yeah. So, you, but you've got to be steady with it, and that's what okay. what we've tried to do is continue to educate, continue to feed them information, and slowly but surely those pos- those things mm-hmm. change. Uh, the governor here in Indiana has made some real changes. Uh, there's some uh, legislation going through this program or this uh, uh, legislative year that I think are going to make some real positive impacts, and I think it's happened because they kind of listened to what the local people were saying. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, I've also noticed that in some other states, too, so that's yeah, that's really good. Um, uh, are you optimistic for the future of our workforce in this region? Or? I am. I, I, we have always had a good work ethic in this, in this mm-hmm. region. That's one of the strong suits of southwest Indiana, or Indiana in general, mm-hmm. really. But uh, I really think that as uh, these younger kids learn about the opportunities here in this area, they're going to stay here, they're going to get jobs here, and they're going to raise their families here, which is really what we need to happen. Okay. And to those that are not necessarily here, that um, that uh, might have grown up in a different part of the country, um, to know that there's a lot of job openings, um, what would you say about the quality of place you know, in the Midwest in general, you know, is this a good place to live? Is this? I, I really, I grew up in this area, so I really love it. I, I'm a fisherman, so I like to mm-hmm. fish and I like to hunt. And um, it's really, if you like those kinds of things, there's nothing better than this area to do that in. Uh, there's, and then you're close to bigger cities like Indianapolis or St. Louis or Louisville is really close. You can, or Nashville even, sure. make day trips there very easily. I, I, I go to Indianapolis on, you know, once a week just about. It's really nice. Got a lot of great amenities, and everybody here is just so great to people. So it's a real welcoming community. Well, good, good. Um, so uh, I want to thank you for for uh, chiming in here and talking, educating me a little more on on workforce. And I hope that the audience will get a little more education too, because it really sounds like you're, you know, you're the executive director, but you're also an executive educator of <laughs> of, uh, of of what this is in yeah. terms of of getting. Uh, the critical people engaged, and mm-hmm. and so that's uh, that's really good. And kudos to you for for uh, first off coming on, you know, this <laughs> podcast, but yeah. but also to uh, to really sort of let's let's look at our challenges and mm-hmm. what are we doing about them. And I think you're doing a lot of best practices. And um, what we'll do is we'll put a link of, of uh, the web your website okay. onto the onto the uh, the page, okay. the podcast page. Um, and uh, again, Jim Heck with uh, the uh, he's the executive director of Work One Southwest, uh, a uh, nine county collaborative workforce region in southwestern Indiana. Uh, Jim, thanks again for for coming on. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Sure, sure. So uh, now we come to a time where we get to the the point where my, what is Mike Thyssen high on? Well, I'm high on um, a couple of websites I've noticed with in terms of training, education, and opportunities for uh, uh, workforce. Um, the testing company, ACT, uh, they have a website called ACT.org. Uh, it's a workforce resource website that they have, and it shares the best practices and looks at both education and teachers and career success. Um, and some of the best practices um, throughout uh, the country are, are kind of listed there. Um, and uh, uh, they also do some uh, assessment, not just college preparedness, but also career preparedness. Uh, exams and things like that. So that's a website to, to check out. Um, a couple of other things that I've that I've uh, done some research on. Uh, one that I'm more intimately involved with is the Toyota's Advanced Manufacturing Technician Program. 
uh, Toyota is a, a major player, um, especially in the Midwest in terms of manufacturing, and not just their facilities, but all of the feeder facilities that feed into the into the major uh, uh, automotive parts. Um, and uh, they have a, a really terrific man advanced manufacturing technician program. If you want to be a technician, you can go through this program, and uh, you can always access that through Toyota's uh, website. Um, the state of Wisconsin has a great regional training partnership work with companies. They, they've engaged companies directly, and uh, the state has uh, invested a lot of most of their uh, uh, resources into this uh, training of their workforce in the, in the regional uh, landscape. And then... Um, uh, San Antonio, Texas uh, is another good place uh, of best practice with uh, workforce. They have a, a program called Project Quest where they take underskilled workers or that are typically either low income or out of place and uh, they also take students and they provide what's called wraparound services to fill those challenge gaps as they get their training to, in, on their training journey, whether it's a resource to help them get over um, a certain challenge to get their certification or their, uh, their associates. Um, so uh, something to look into for those in economic development that want to look at, you know, how they can uh, help with talent. Um, and then uh, I also want to uh, end our podcast with, of course, the takeaway uh, with the resource time. Uh, two things. One is the Annie Casey Foundation, the Aspen Institute. They have some grant opportunities for individuals and organizations looking to boost what they call family economic success. Uh, sometimes they're focused on rural and uh, there's, there's some good access uh, there. And then um, uh, when we're in the Midwest, since I'm in the Midwest, um, uh, something pretty innovative that's happened is in the higher education world, Stanford University has rolled out a, an approach um, where they, uh, you can apply to Stanford if, you, if you're in the Midwest, uh, and you can get an MBA from Stanford University uh, with a proviso that you come out with to, and move to the Midwest, or, you've, or you... Uh, they're focused on the Midwest, so the idea is for you to come to the Midwest and uh, be part of the capacity building pieces uh, that challenges more in the Midwest. So I um, want to thank, uh, again, Jim Heck with, uh, with Work One Southwest for being our guest. I do want to mention our, my Twitter handle, which is at WTH Mike Thyssen. Uh, I do have an Instagram account. It's WTH Mike Thyssen. And if you want to find me on the website, it's WTH Mike Thyssen dot simplecast dot FM. Again, thanks to Bill Stein and Amy Moore for uh, being our producers. Uh, Stephanie Eltswell for the bumper. And until next time, we'll see you again later. And now we know what the hell Mike Fisher does. Jason Burton. Jason Burton, you're my hero.